Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and a regular guest, RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. Hey, man, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? I've uh, been been making it through. Uh, it's been <laughs> been what two? Has it been two weeks? Yeah, it feels longer actually. It really does. Time passes slowly without biathlon. Yes, yes, and uh, it's proving a little harder to find guests for our, for our podcast than we initially uh, planned. Not that I thought that people would be jumping up and down to get on the podcast, but um, yeah. Speak for yourself. Especially how how uh, you know excited Scott and uh, Baiba were. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I don't know if you want to mention it now, right but we, we we have a couple we have a couple more lined up that are mm-hmm. kind of yeah. exciting. I don't know if you want to mention them now or sure. Yeah, let's throw them in there. So uh, one uh, actually one that's very exciting. Um, not everybody's exciting, but uh, is uh, the head coach of the Czech Republic uh, women's team. That would be Igel uh, Galant. I'm probably butchering his name. I, I sincerely apologize, but I've actually never heard it spoken out loud. I think it's something like Egil Galant. There you but, go. Perfect. I don't know. I'm not Norwegian either, so I'm sure I do it. Not full well, justice. When we have him on, we will uh, yeah, we'll we'll ask. Have him, yeah, we'll have him say it many times very slowly. <laughs> um, but no, I'm very excited about that. He's, uh, he's agreed to um, come on actually a couple of times. So, uh, you know, to keep us updated on on how the the team is doing over the summer and, and going into next season. So I think that's what's your be. connection to him. Uh, to- my connection to him is that I reached out to him on Instagram. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, my thought process was I find the Czech women's team very interesting. So, because they've got sort of a, a, a borderline star with Davidova who, who can compete with the very best. They had uh, Jislova, who had a really good up-and-coming year last year. Um, and then they've got uh, Vorbonakova, who um, did really well at the junior. So kind of they've got several different levels of, of uh, you know, women there. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm very – I'm and sort of intrigued about their uh, their potential and their future. So I thought he'd be an oh, interesting sure, guy yeah. to talk to. And, um, yeah, he, he graciously agreed to it. He's been a little bit busy um, with his with his home life right now, but um, – trying get getting things settled after the season but yeah i'm 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 really pumped about uh having him on and that's next week right the 18th yeah hopefully yeah, yeah. Uh, you know assuming that uh, nothing else bumps up between now and then but yeah should be right. good to go for next week yeah it seems like a lot of uh people from biathlon use these month to either be on vacation and uh on on remote islands or uh building <laughs> houses and uh that kind of thing yeah well i but, guess you uh, get you get about one month or six weeks to really get. yeah i suppose <laughs> yeah and so you gotta you know make hay while the sun shines or whatever oh, for sure is. yeah yeah um and then uh we also had reached out to uh christian wolf um who is uh, a commentator for uh for in in denmark actually um mm-hmm. and also a, a former biathlete himself former current uh we'll get into that a little bit more um and uh, he is going to talk to us sort of about what it's like trying to build a non-traditional uh, biathlon country and sort of trying to build a, a, a little bit of a biathlon culture there. 
That's really cool. I'm, 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 uh, like you said, everybody is interesting, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I'm, you know, coming from a, a small biathlon nation. Um, I just find it fascinating how to hear different stories, like we we heard heard from Baiba, how how things go in uh, uh, Lithuania, no Latvia, sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, be be interesting to hear about Denmark and being so close to uh, big nations like Sweden and Norway, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, very very different, and and actually caught in between because they're they got Sweden and Norway on the north and Germany on the south, so. Um, yeah, looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be going to be pretty enlightening. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stories and and maybe some connections that could open some other doors for us too. So we got our yeah. got our fingers crossed. Go from there. Absolutely. Um, did you want to just chat a little bit about the uh, the things we've learned in the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. Overview of the week no uh nothing major um and i'm sure most people have heard uh, at least some of it already through either twitter or other news sources um i think um when roisland she she announced is she completely final on her decision that was my reading of it i never heard saw her say officially i am back but she had a, a statement saying something along the lines of how she was going to uh, compete against her her husband, uh, who is yeah. coaching the German women, right? And and mentioned Oberhof in particular. So I think that is her way of saying she's back. That's my reading of it, anyway. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That's how I took it as well. And then uh, Dory Dora Weir was uh, definitely more clear about it, as mm-hmm. was uh, Denise Herman. Yes. Now. Uh, I didn't know even that Herman was considering retiring. I I know we had talked about that a little bit, but um, I was, regardless, happy to see that she's officially back. Yeah, and I don't, I I like I don't know, but I always wonder if it's more, especially you know when they're getting in their early thirties. Maybe it's just more that um, that they every year they need to sort of review or extend mm-hmm. their contract with the the national biathlon union or something like that so maybe that's how they never know 100 percent for sure if if they're going to be back but yeah i hadn't heard anything about it either that uh herman was was going to quit or anything but uh yeah that's a good point i hadn't actually considered that aspect of it i have to and i don't know if they sign contracts for multiple years or if it's year by year or um, It's funny because everyone asks Vera uh, if she is going to continue through 2026, obviously, because Italy is hosting the mm-hmm. Winter Olympics that year. And I would imagine that the, the, the team probably was very much hoping she would sign a multiple year contract. But I think she was pretty much as clear as she could be about she is just taking it year by year at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, of course, I cannot base my opinion strictly on what I see on Instagram or Twitter, but um, she seems very occupied with things that have nothing to do with biathlon. And I've noticed that before last year as well, where it's not just, you know, like we said, one or two months in the summer, it's, she seems pretty busy with other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But again, um, that could just be, you know, somebody just maintaining a, 
an, an Instagram account actively and yeah, just focusing on certain aspects of life. So yeah, it feels to me like she's ensuring. Well, I don't, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts to myself. I agree. She is maintaining an active Instagram life, and and you know she's been extremely successful. So that is mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Live, live life. <laughs> Since we're talking about beer and uh, and the Italian team, I was I was really confused about the news that came out about their team. How they have like an A team, but there's only beer and uh, Lucky Hofer, yeah, in it. But then they have this 2026 preparation team, Olympic preparation team, sort of. I, I could, don't understand what that structure is all about. I mean, I get it that it's the people in that team have have probably committed to going to the olympics in 2026 or at least staying on that long but i just find it like is that not the a team then or uh it's just very confusing which just is a strange way of of constructing the roster i i don't i i just didn't understand the need to do that i maybe there's a like a financial yeah it probably has to do with funding yeah something to it i don't I, but i don't know what it is yeah it seems like uh Vitozzi recovered well from her operation it sounds sounds like she had something with her nose that impeded her breathing a little bit or yeah yeah she uh, looked uh like she was out there i think she was uh cycling recently and mm -hmm, looked mm -hmm. like she was doing just fine yeah yeah we I, saw interesting news that she was removed from the a team speaking of the the italian uh construction so i don't know i it was sort of like she was bumped off of whatever the the top team was i think she had been there in the past and now she is not i'm not again i don't know what that exactly means as far as she's obviously going to be competing in all of the world cup events but yeah i, I just yeah i i i see it more as as like you said just a commitment like maybe vitazzi explicitly said yes i'll be in the team until the Olympics, and maybe we said like, "I'll just play year by year," and yeah. I don't want to commit to it yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a bit weird. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of the Italians, um, there was a retirement with uh, Tomas uh, Bormolini, um, and when the when the announcement was officially or was first made, excuse me, uh, about the uh, the Italian team and having uh, Weir and Hofer in the the top level, um, Bormolini's name didn't appear anywhere. And then it came out about a week later that he was actually retiring. So, um, you know, good, good for him. Um, mm -hmm. you know, he, he picked his moment and decided it was time to go. Yeah. It was awful timing though. Cause, uh, I don't, um, have a lot of biathletes following me mm -hmm. and I, I think he just started following me on Instagram and literally a day <laughs> later he retired. And it's like, oh great. <laughs> uh, it was very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's still exciting. He's still yeah. relatively young, isn't he? I thought he yeah, was he's only 30. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's it. Because I yeah, I I didn't have him in my head as somebody who's been around for ages. I mean, he's been around for uh since 2014, so not not a short time. But yeah, I definitely thought he uh, he had some more races in him, but who knows what the reason is, right? You, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was also like I'm just looking at uh, Real Biathlon, and his his um, his stats are all still like in an upgoing line in the sense of improving. They were, right. and actually, I I remember I wrote 
I usually at the end of every weekend, I try to write like a, a little bit on people who had really good weekends. And, and I mentioned him a couple of times this season as, mm-hmm. you know, as having, you know, having a, you know, all around good weekend. So, yeah, but who knows? But, Maybe he, he had know. something else he wanted to do with his life and decided this. Yeah. Is time I, to go. I don't know what the situation is like in, in Italy. I, I know that biathlon is bigger there than, uh, than here in Canada, but, um, you know, it's it's also a tough life, and, and we've learned that yeah. from uh, from both Scott and and Biba that you know you spend a lot of time of the year basically living out of a suitcase, and yeah. um, some people, I can imagine that at some point they're like, you know, I need to move on with my life, and yeah, so, yeah that's fair. He got to compete at the Olympics twice, and maybe he decided mm-hmm. it was either do it for another four years or not. Yeah, I don't know. Although, oh. you know, if you would have read my, my article about aging in biathlon. <laughs> yeah, you he should have known. Uh, he would have probably be able to peak in the, in the next Olympics in his own country. But yeah. Maybe he wasn't following me by then yet. You know, it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, he, maybe he started following you because he's going to move into coaching and he wanted to use your data, you know, with all, <laughs> of his, all yeah, of his athletes. Huh. Uh, that would be something. Um, and then we had a couple of uh, French women who said that they will be continuing. I know there mm-hmm. was some speculation at the end of the season about Chloe Chevalier, and she is officially back, which mm-hmm. I was excited about. Um, yeah, I think her career has just been on an upward trajectory. And I, I was when she said she was thinking about retiring, I didn't quite understand that because she was having a career year. But I am very happy to see her back, and hopefully, we see her back for a full Olympic cycle. Yeah. Yeah, she um, did. This was just for the season, right? Or for the yeah. upcoming season? Yeah. Yeah, she said just for the season, but we'll see. But yeah. she's twenty six. Like I know she's so young. I mean, again, we we don't know all the yeah. things going on in people's lives, of course. But uh, for age, it, it wouldn't be a reason to to stop anytime soon. No, I was saying she's twenty six. All she she was decidedly on an upward trajectory last year, and if, you know if she mm-hmm. can take another step forward, I mean, she could, she's going to be up in the top twenty of the rankings but well being in such a strong team too i know must be uh, a bit challenging but also a lot of fun i would think absolutely because every i mean anytime you're on a relay you know you've got a chance to mm-hmm. to win and then you've got you know teammates who can push you um and yeah training and then and the competition so mm-hmm. and then her teammate speaking of uh Annie chevalier boucher also announced that she will be back. She was another one that I did not know was considering retirement, but but she's back. So uh, the French team looks very solid for next year. Yeah, they only had that one uh, athlete who retired. I forgot her name is escaping me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Miss Right. And that, that was not a real big surprise, right? Oh, no, no. Kind of yeah. The older one of the, of yeah. the group. Yeah, so still a strong team again. And then Ekhoff has said that she is back? Yeah. I don't know if I missed that. Um, yeah. They're starting to run together in my head now. I know, that's what I'm struggling with too. And I and I did see an interview on the Norwegian TV with her. And I'm just having a... Drawing a complete blank here. If that was actually where she announced, if she no, I'm I'm ninety nine percent certain that I saw a tweet 
uh, that she like from somebody who saw on the Norwegian TV that she uh, that she's continuing. Perfect. Well, I love it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun season next year. I mean, it really, all of the top women are back. Still, kind of feels like a fresh start, though, which I like. It's, yes, uh, it does. Know, yeah, sort of the the new Olympic cycle starting and. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, um, I, they're they in in. Oh, it could be it could be a lot of fun. Because mm-hmm. there's so much. Wait. I mean, there's so much young talent coming up. I know. Um, it's uh, it's funny in the sense that um, in in many ways, um, I kind of see biathlon sort of. How uh, would I say that? A few years behind other sports like like hockey, for example, which obviously is a big thing here in Canada. That there we've really seen that in the past, young guys would first go to sort of the the lower levels and then eventually would join a team. And now, eighteen, nineteen year olds basically go straight into the NHL and mm-hmm. and, and perform really well. So that that whole gap between coming from, you know, college teams or or lower level teams in in into the level that is the highest in in the sport um that gap seems seems to be getting smaller mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i feel like we're sort of at the the beginning of that happening in biathlon as well where you see more and more young athletes basically mm-hmm. coming sometimes even from the youth and junior uh levels and going into the, the national teams and basically maybe not skipping the ibu but at least you know, having a few chances to show themselves at the World Cup level and actually, mm-hmm. you know, being somewhat competitive. I, so, I completely agree. And I've been sort of, I had not been able to bring that thought, you know, fully into my head, but that's sort of what I've been thinking throughout, you know, this season is that there are just more and more young athletes having success right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, like we saw it with, uh, uh, I mean, Elvira has has pretty quickly, you know, climbed up, right. and and Vanessa Vogt came came up pretty quick. And last year, well, the last two years, the grind for the the men. Um, yeah. And you know, so it's just it, it, these guys are coming. In. I mean, we uh, Bakken again. They come right in, and suddenly they're they're uh, they're competitive. It's not like they're waiting until they're twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. They're they're just you know they're they're fighting for it right right away and. And when I'm looking at the next couple of years, I'm I'm focusing on the the women's group right now. But you see, sort of a a potential. I, I'm changing of the guard isn't really the right word, but you have sort of a, a almost generational battle, right? Because you've got mm-hmm. uh, Royceland and and uh, and Ekoff, you know, who are who are more on the older end, and then you've got the 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 Ubergs and uh, you know Vox coming up, and and it's just kind of a, there's sort of a split. Uh, it'll be fun to watch that that yeah. battle, uh, play out. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. I am looking forward to that. So, uh, and it's you know, I, I keep thinking of uh, of Eckhoff, who was you know two seasons ago pretty much unbeatable, and then last mm-hmm. year uh, we saw you know a few hints of her coming back to that shape later in the season. But uh, just you know, the difference between an athlete at the end of one season and then coming back the next yeah. season, and just yeah. So that's also you know so interesting with uh, with biathlon, right? The, I, I personally, I think a lot of it has to do with confidence. Like if you like Ekhoff come out of a, um, 
a really strong season and, and your first race goes really well and your second goes really well, I think you can kind of get back into that groove. But if it's not, then it's also easy to start doubting and, and, yeah. and um, making changes that maybe you shouldn't be making. And absolutely not saying that that was the case with her, but I, yeah, it's such a large mental aspect to the sport that makes it really uh, interesting to, it's hard enough to be consistent physically, but then the whole mental aspect to it just makes it so much harder. I think well, that's why I think it's part of the reason why we like bathon, right? Cause it's such, it's mm-hmm. such an incredibly complex sport because you have to have the form and you, it, but it has to be mental as well. Like you can't just be in really good shape. You right. also have to be mentally in shape as well. And and if one of those things is missing, it does. I mean, we have seen it, like you said, with, with Ekoff and we saw it with, uh, uh, JT Bo at, at points last year where, you know, shape looked good, but you know, <laughs> couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, you know, and, <laughs> right. uh, you know, or, yeah, so it's just, it's just such a, a challenging sport. Well, now I remember that first season that, uh, like, right. When he, be- when he, uh, got second place in the world cup ranking in the end, he just seemed so relaxed and he, he talked openly about, you know, that he was doing a lot of meditation and. And of course, that was a season where he didn't have as much media attention as he had this year, and and mm-hmm. uh, everybody was kind of enjoying him uh, being as good as he was. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. I, yeah, it's. He, I really learned quite a bit from just watching his interviews and stuff. How he talked about you know the meditation and the and the mental aspect and and uh, and how he dealt with that and. You know, and I think on the opposite side, we've seen uh, with uh, Jacqueline in the last season that mm-hmm. he appears to be a person who's a bit more sensitive to to uh, changes in in confidence, and mm-hmm. um, it seems to impact him quite a bit. And yeah, like it's just fascinating to see and how to deal with it. And and uh, I think yeah, that makes makes sports just very interesting. It does, and I think we're we're living in a kind of a neat time to be a, a fan, right? Because I think that athletes are more open about those things than mm-hmm. they were in the past, and so you, you you get to see sort of how they're you can see more of their inner inner workings a little bit more. Um, yeah, which yeah. is it's kind of nice. I guess they have more avenues to share that with us, but but also I think that even in like their public statements, like they're just being more open and and, and letting us in. I, I, I mean, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate somebody like Jacqueline being willing to be so open and tell us like, Hey, <laughs> I struggle with this. Yeah. You know, and this is a problem. Yeah. And, and, and again, we see that we start to see that more in, uh, in other sports as well. Just that, um, maybe that's just more of a societal thing that, that people are getting more comfortable to talk about mental aspects just in general. Mm-hmm. And then of course that also, uh, maybe shows in in sports. So, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, we, I mean, just this year, you think about we had um, uh, uh, Simone Biles at the Olympics um, uh, in gymnastics. We had um, uh, oh, uh, Michaela Schifrin, uh, the skier who clearly just had a a bit of a mm-hmm. you know a, a moment, and and we've seen it with a with a couple other athletes, you know, in, in big moments too, and. Um, yeah, I just I've just appreciated people being more open about it, and I think that especially when athletes can be more open about it, I think that <laughs> if it allows other people to to be more willing to see it in themselves, I think that can only be a good mm-hmm. thing. No, for sure, because I mean, 
that's one thing that that athletes have right they they can really uh influence especially young people so if they mm -hmm. can do it in a, yep. in a positive way like this make other people feel more comfortable to talk about it and uh that that's great uh i i this actually it brought up while we were talking i had two different questions pop into my head that are that are only barely tangentially related. So you have you have two young boys, right? Are they are they sports fans at all? Um. So my oldest is ten, and he is more into sort of individual sports. He's uh, mm -hmm. really into parkour. Oh, right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, we just um, when I said I'd be a few minutes late for this episode, I was actually uh, playing catch with him in the back alley. So oh. Uh, so that was fun. Like and such then, a, a classic father's son. I know. Thing to do. And, and the fun thing is, so um, I'll keep it short, but so he was in baseball and stuff, and, but he was still pretty young and he wasn't really into to, to uh, play catch and stuff. And then just the other day, he was, so my youngest one was away with my wife and then Lucas was asking me, he's like, can we play catch? Oh. And he just threw me off guard a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So, uh, <laughs> Oh no, that was really fun. And then, uh, so, and then my youngest one, Elliot, he's eight, and he's more into team sports. He played uh, hockey before, but then COVID hit, and then that never really uh, got started again for him. But uh, yeah. he's really into soccer right now. And uh, well, he's really good he, at soccer, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, he's doing well. He's he's. Yeah. I'm I'm still at that stage where I'm like, he's happy when we go there. Yeah. He's happy when 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 we talk about it in the car on the way back. So you know that's the most important thing for me absolutely and then uh yeah he likes to he's more interested in watching we have the the hockey stanley cup playoffs right now and mm -hmm. he uh his favorite team is pittsburgh so I don't oh, really? it, yeah. <laughs> and uh so yeah he's pretty darn excited but uh he's definitely not i've heard of other people with kids that will do any like they'll do chores a whole week to just watch a game on the weekend and that kind of thing they're not like that but uh mm -hmm. I'm, I I think especially the younger one will be will be uh, into sports for sure. Well, I was going to ask: Do they have any like any sports heroes? Any like athlete heroes? Mm, Lucas, not so much. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I must say with Elliot, even though he loves his soccer, he's not really like he doesn't have a favorite team. He probably doesn't yeah. really know many of the teams. And yeah. Uh, yeah, no, not a favorite soccer player. Didn't know Messi and Ronaldo and those kind of uh, mm -hmm. the big names and stuff. But um, I mean, I have lots of books for them in Dutch about soccer if they want to read about it and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. But uh, <laughs> I'm not pushing anything. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, as I I don't know. I'm not a very. Um, I still believe uh, probably a bit old school, but I still believe in. Uh, the development of kids in sports by doing as many different sports as they can. And, um, and if they really like one specifically, I want to focus on that. I'm totally cool with that too. But, uh, yeah, they, he's in the, the U 10 group. So that's basically, uh, for nine year olds, although he's eight and, uh, they have this Academy where everything is focused on like technique and that kind of thing. And, I am old school because I'm like, you know, he probably learned ball control and technique a lot better if he would just kick the ball back and forth with me in the alley where there's lots of rocks and chunks and that kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. that's how I always learned to play soccer. It's just, you know, in on on 
patchy fields where where you have to try really hard to control the ball and if you can do it on that and you go on a smooth nice little pitch then it's just easy peasy but uh that's not how sports works anymore these days so no well there's um there's a book actually that uh that i use a lot um and it's it's uh, the name of it is escaping me which is embarrassing but i'm an old man now and my brain doesn't <laughs> work uh but it's all it's all about how um you know the best athletes uh grew up playing multiple sports and how mm -hmm. you know playing multiple sports and being involved in multiple things you know and, and it just it just teaches your body that much more you know you get you build more um athletic control uh just mm -hmm. your control of your your, your athletic skills so yeah. um yeah yeah keep keep them you know whatever whatever they're interested in i agree with you just let them do it yeah and so, the other the other thing is uh, the you know the pond hockey or the like when i played soccer as a kid it was just on the field by the house and yeah. everybody from the neighborhood would come out and then you play with kids that are you know twice your age or yeah. three years yeah. younger or whatever and you just learn i i think it adds a lot of value mm -hmm. but um anyway this is not a sports psychology podcast so <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that um and then the other question i had that that was completely unrelated to that was when you look at um, the men versus the women in biathlon right now, which, uh, you know, which, uh, group do you think is more wide open? So like, which side do you think has more competitors for like either wins and in individual races or, you know, the overall, you know, world cup title? I definitely say the women. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, without, they're, they're without more question. even, yeah. um, I think there's, uh, in, in the men, there's, you know, still quite a number of them but uh definitely some outliers that i i think are quite a bit better than the rest um i was um when i asked that question i was i had the 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 top 25 uh pulled up next to each other uh the top okay. 30 excuse me and i was looking at them and i was kind of going down the list and seeing you know how far down i could get and be like oh yeah i think you know that so and so would have a chance you know and uh i was like i don't know 15, 20 deep on the women's side. I was like, yeah, you know, I could see, you know, yeah, you know, things break right that Yaslova could be in the top three, you know, of a, of a race, you know, like, yeah, that yeah. could definitely happen. Uh, you know, uh, and then you look at same spot for the men, you've got, you know, your Roman Reese and Navrat and like, Loganoff. That's not a good example. But anyway, uh, it just, there were, there were more, it, more opportunities on the women's side, I thought. Mm-hmm. No, I would, I think the women's side is more evenly spread. Yeah, it was something yeah. for us to 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 look at, you know, especially as we get towards next season. Mm -hmm. it just gave me an idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing that uh, came out over the last couple of weeks was we had some new uniforms. Speaking of next season, yes. uh, that were that were revealed, particularly the uh, the French and the Norwegians. I don't know if you had any <laughs> any any thoughts about them. Let's just say that, especially the Norwegian uniform, the first thing I thought of was the, um, you know, in the Middle Ages where royalty had their own, was it a joker or a jester? <laughs> yes. That's the first thing I thought of. And, uh, you know, uh, truthfully, a lot of people said, well, the, the wildest part of their um, uniform is covered by a bib anyway. But... Um, you know, every 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 season you see new uniforms, and it always takes some time to get used to. And by the end, you mm -hmm. you don't know any better. And 
Um, I, I do like that they're coming with some innovative stuff yeah. visually. Um, and I definitely do like that Italy and France are not <laughs> wearing pretty much the same uniform. So yeah, exactly. If anything, although we haven't seen what Italy's going to wear, so who knows? Maybe they decided <laughs> to go in red, white, and blue this year. But, <laughs> um, assuming that they're not going to do that, hopefully there will be a bit more distinction between those two. But um, yeah, the only the the one thing I really don't like about the French one is that, uh, and I, I tweeted about that too, is that if you see them from one side, they're red, and if you see them yes. from the other side, it's blue, and I think that could be somewhat confusing but yeah um especially like on I tv see, yeah, well, yeah. We'll, we'll get over it um do we know why the italian jerseys were blue well no n not that kind of blue i know their uh national soccer team is oh that's a, right has had a blue jersey forever yeah um, okay I don't, it might have to do with being surrounded by the ocean or her sea um and they're called the azuri i think yeah uh, yeah you're right so it may have something to do with that where that sort of bright light blue is coming from i'm not sure yeah it I might be the color of the of the sea but yeah i just found it so strange yeah yeah i don't and i mean same for france though like they the, yeah. the blue they have in their flag is very different so very different than, where than what's in their from, uniform but... yeah it'll be interesting i i don't actually remember any white like uh, base white uniforms right now. And and of course, somebody will probably be able to point out two or three, but. Yeah, I think, and oh, now I'm dating myself, but I think Romania had a white uniform, mm. but that was like a long time ago. And maybe Sweden at some point before they, they went into the yellow-blue combination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, like I, I don't even know if there's any rules stipulating what colors are allowed and not allowed because of course on a on a snow sport yeah uh, white wouldn't be very easy to uh to work with yeah yeah from a tv perspective so that's a good point i've always liked uh, the german outfits in the sense that they're easy to recognize and yes. and they you know they're the colors of their flag and uh, just it makes sense in a way and i mean i guess Norway has the same, but with their colors. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll need some time to get used to the uh, the new the new version. But uh, like yeah, I said, gonna, the, the, the first couple people. races are going to look kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, who so, are these people? Yeah. Hey, and then talking about Norway, uh, Bjorn Dalen is uh, is out of China and. Uh, Yes. I, I did read in a tweet somewhere that somebody wrote like better to what was it? He better to be no longer with the team and leaving the country than no longer with the team and still being <laughs> in the country. So it came yeah. down to something like that. And yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not a because I mean the fact that he asked for clarity and he just didn't get any response after the yeah, Olympics. And, I mean, I, again, we, we don't really know everything that's been going on, but um I, I can only assume that China wasn't overly impressed with the results on the Olympics. Yeah. Um, you know, and we talked about this right after the Olympics about how they didn't, they decided not to compete in the last three weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it all just makes it seem very strange. Yeah. And that I was probably more um, relating to maybe they just didn't want to spend the money to just go to Europe for three weeks. 
Well, now um, I'm wondering if it was more. I mean, they just didn't answer him at all. Yeah. Really I, I still feel that maybe their end goal, whether realistic or not, was that they would have some medals in biathlon yeah. uh, in the Olympics. And, you know, your best chance is probably to get two super good athletes to help them with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's weird. And and I haven't heard anything about uh, Domracheva. No, is she, is she back in Belarus? Or, or I have she, no idea. Or where are they? I don't know where they, I don't know where they call home at this point. No, I, I don't know. And I haven't, I've read a few things here and there about Bjorn Allen, but I haven't read anything about if she's still in China or if she's still, Yeah. like, I don't know if they had sort of a combined contract or if they both had individual contracts. Yeah. No that you, you, now that you mentioned it, I, you know, we saw the news about uh, Bjorn Dahlin just in the last few days, but nothing about mm-hmm. Domer. I mean, nothing about Domer Cheva, so. No. Hmm. Well, now I'm after looking into this. And probably yeah. find nothing because I don't know at this that point. It's like oh, I just hope that every everybody is uh, yeah safe. Absolutely. Anything well, else that stood out? Or no, I was going to say I know you've been doing some work and you had some uh, some well I shouldn't say some work you've been doing a lot of work uh, and you had some really interesting stats that you were you were publishing recently. So I don't know if you wanted to jump into that. Yeah, let's do that. The stat of the week. I'm not sure if I actually talked about this in the past, but before I I got into, uh, so I've been following biathlon for a long time, but I haven't been doing biathlon analytics for a long time, only probably two and a half, three years. And um, before that, I did a lot of uh, statistical analysis in baseball and uh, later on in hockey. And um, one of the things that is used quite a bit in baseball and and, uh, later on also in hockey was um, where they look at specific situations um, and then in a historical context, how how often they happened and what the result was. So, for example, when you see a a pitcher uh, batter confrontation in the major leagues, they have statistics for, let's say it's a 2-2 pitch. The pitcher is right-handed, the batter is left-handed, the score is 2 nothing, and we're in the bottom of the seventh inning. And they can say, in this situation, specific situation, there were 812 batters, and 200 of them got a base hit from this situation. So the, the expected result of this at-bat is whatever... 200 divided by 800 something is um, that's the percentage of receiving that outcome hmm. and, um, and and you know baseball has always been pretty heavy on statistics and of course it's a sport that lends itself really well because they always go through the same sort of uh, phases uh, continuously throughout the game uh, hockey is a bit different in the sense that it's a more of a flowing game but even there, uh, I, I did some work in the past on shot locations. So you have certain zones in, and I didn't come up with that, let that be clear, but I, I did some work on it where you have certain zones and when people shoot from it at a certain time in the game with a certain score, 
you know, depending on who mm-hmm. the goalie is, et cetera, you can trace that back to in the last 10 years, you know, a thousand guys shot from that location and, you know, 20 or probably more like two or 3% resulted in a goal. So the next time somebody shoots from that location, you have a sense of, uh, of what the result could be based on, on previous results. So I've been uh, working on this quite a bit, basically since the end of, of the season to apply this, um, this, uh, this stock on biathlon. And um, again, biathlon is a, is a different sport than, than hockey and, and baseball and other sports that use it. But um what I'm calling version one of the uh, WEISE uh, <laughs> win expectancy index based on statistical exploration. I, I got to the WEI and then it's like, oh, that's <laughs> you know, very uh, it's the start of my of my last name. So maybe I should just make up something that uh, makes up the S and the E at the end. No, but, um, so yeah, the the concept being, can you use previous results to predict? Uh, with some level of uh, probability, the win expectancy of um, of an athlete at a stage in a race based on some statistics. So um, I definitely see it as a version one because I definitely want to expand on it over the next couple of months. But uh, what I started out with is comparing the number of misses that somebody has after a lap. So a lap is uh, skiing and shooting. So let's say after the first lap, uh, how many misses does somebody have? And I also looked at the, um, the cumulative course time. So basically strictly focusing on the ski time in a race and then their rank at that stage in the race. So then say for a um, sprint race, a person after the first lap who has one miss and is in fifth position skiing wise, are like what are the, the the outcomes of that combination in previous races? So I basically looked at the data from uh, starting at the uh, 2001-2002 season, and basically looked at all the previous events that uh, that happened, the total number of events, and how many of those total number of events resulted in a win. And basically, for that scenario, you can come up with. Uh, win expectancy and then um, I calculated that for pretty much every race in that time span from 2001 to 2002 up till last season including and um, that was a lot of data <laughs> that I <laughs> went through a lot of data yeah it was um, I, I actually wrote it down this morning because I'm writing an article about it, but um, yeah, it's over a thousand races, um, over 75,000 participants, uh. over a million shots. Um, and yeah, for, so for every race other than the sprint, uh, there is, you know, in, in my model, there's basically five laps. So um, yeah, five times all the participants and then, you know, in those five laps, I looked at how many misses, cumulative misses. So let's say at the, the fifth lap, it will just be the, the first, second, third, and fourth shooting added up. Same with the ski time. I looked at that uh, cumulatively as well. 
And, and it's interesting because you're you run into a lot of issues that I hadn't really considered. Um, one of them was um, I also wanted to see what the expected points could be. Um, but then, of course, the Olympic Games don't have points, so I needed to sort of recalculate that. And then I found that um, <laughs> the way or the, the sort of the, um, the calculation of World Cup points has changed over the years. Very, very slightly, but there was, I'm not sure what year it was anymore, but uh, over 10 years ago, they calculated it slightly differently. So I had to recalculate basically everything on today's uh, calculation, because otherwise you're not making a fair comparison. And then um, I realized that, of course, the pursuit races, you can't really look at who won the pursuit because that's in some cases heavily influenced by their start time um, or the mm -hmm. time behind at the start. So I had to basically take that out and look at the isolated times for pursuits and then calculate uh. what their, their skiing rankings were and what their race rankings were, et cetera. So there was a lot of things that um, kind of showed up during the process, but I'm, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm writing an article about it right now um, with my main intent for, well, obviously for people to read it, but uh, to to really come back with some uh, some feedback on, you know, what do they think? Does it have value? Um, is it something that people find interesting? Um, do they have ideas how it could be applied? Like I definitely have some ideas on the application of this uh, this tool, but. Um, I'm, I'm very keen to hear more about it and what, what people are thinking. It's always great to have different perspectives. So in race gambling would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and that's one thing that, um, you know, where, where biathlon is uh, a little behind on the other games that there's no live data. Yeah. I, I I'm guessing that it it's there, it's tracked, yeah. but it's uh, definitely not available right away. And, and that's fine. Like I don't, it's not my goal to, watch a race and after three shootings to say okay well he's going to win now because yeah like you said there might be some betting um interest in in that in that uh aspect of the race but um no for me it's more to see you know kind of mm -hmm. i'm looking at things like what's the relationship between the win expectation based on previous results and the actual mm -hmm. uh results of the race and um that's just one example that uh, that I'm sort of working on, and yeah, it's been a it's been a lot of work, uh, but uh, a lot of fun to to uh, to do, and um, I'm really keen to to get it out there, and and like I said, get some uh, some feedback from people, and hopefully uh, evolve and and update and improve it from there, and come up with uh, even more ideas about. Uh, how it can be useful and, and fun and interesting. It makes me really want to go back and I mean, it doesn't take much for me to want to do this, but it, it makes me want to really go back and watch races from last season and <laughs> then sort of retroactively analyze like how this is going to sound weird, but how unexpected a victory was, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And that's, so that's actually one, uh, one thought I had is as an application of it is that you could, potentially see um what races are the most interesting yeah from from exactly. that idea of you know how predictable was it or was it yeah. the outcome completely different yeah so so that's that that would be a great example i think it'll be interesting to see you know also 
if a race that we remember as being extremely exciting, you know, if you go back and look at the data, you're like, oh, well, of course it was going to be that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm just really, I'm really curious about that now. I, do you have an estimate for how many hours you spent working on this? Um, Cause you're probably going to say something that is way lower than I think. Cause I look at this and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how did you have any time for a job? And for, you mentioned <laughs> playing catch with your son. I, I don't know how you did. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, so, so uh, I think I mentioned it in the past. So I work four days for my, mm -hmm. for my company and I have Wednesdays off and that's really, or usually what I use for, um, for biathlon analysis. Um, and then I add some hours on the weekend and in the evenings and often, uh, uh, during lunch break, I work on it and, uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I, I really don't know, but yeah, a lot, um, I probably would say at least a hundred hours by now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't doubt if it was more. Yeah. It's hard to say, but, um, uh, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I was just talking to my wife this morning where I said, you know, actually I feel like I'm the most creative when I'm in the shower. <laughs> in the morning because yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm at a point now where where i'll come out of the shower and she'll see me rushing like half half wet in my towel through the house and then i'm texting <laughs> myself a message to remember all the things that i thought of in the shower what you need to get is you need to get like some some sort of a whiteboard or something a yeah you can whiteboard write it. yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you write it down when you're in the shower but yeah like yeah, a, I just I just love this stuff, and and uh, and one of my issues is that I'm way too perfectionist. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 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 sure like last week I could have probably already published a, a, a version zero point one that just shows the concept already, but then I want to make sure that it looks okay, and I spent a lot of time on on double checking, triple checking the data that it made sense and that the numbers were correct, and um, I probably do a little bit too much of that too. Not, not that it's not uh, good practice, but it's just, uh, I probably overdo it a little bit, but well, we're certainly the, uh, the beneficiaries of that though. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, I, I do appreciate that. And um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it if, if nobody saw it or had any feedback, but it's definitely, you know, when, when I get one or two tweets of people saying, Hey, this is really interesting or, you know, get some feedback on, on their thoughts on it. That that's very, very, um, uh, um, what would say com comforting and, and, uh, yeah, yeah I really appreciate that. that well, we've uh, got so. a couple of guests coming up in the very near future. And I'll be really curious to see what they think of this. Mm -hmm. I, cause I, I think that they might have a really interesting take on it too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see, and I, I talked earlier about how I feel biathlon in some in some scenarios is a little bit behind in other sports, and I think yes. analytics yeah. is a is a good example as well. Where I'm sure there's a lot of teams that do comparable work, uh, sort of behind the scenes. Although although I'm not sure it happens, but I, my guess is that that it would happen. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, when I started in hockey. I don't know, maybe eight or 10 years ago, dabbling in the, into the hockey data there. Um, it was just really cool to see community come up with, with ideas on, on uh, analyzing the data and representing the data. And, um, you know, a lot of people were against it. They're like, oh, I can see with my own eyes if a player is good or not. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've always seen analytics as just something that uh, contributes to to performance analysis and, and just better understanding biathlon, but I don't ever see it as a replacement of, you know, other ways of measuring or other ways of, of uh, uh, looking at performance or, or, you know, anything that's important in biathlon. And I think it just, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but um, I think it, they're, I mean, they're helping each other or supporting yeah. each other. And also uh, it just sort of makes it more fun to look at. I just, it, it, you can learn more about why people are successful just by, I don't know, just, just it's like a more creative way of looking at things. I, mm-hmm. I, at least yeah. even if, even if it doesn't necessarily impact and I'm sure it does in ways that I don't understand if it doesn't impact the, training or the uh, the improvements that certain biathletes make it will at least benefit fans people watching and saying okay now i understand more why so and so is finishing higher than i expect that they would right, and, you know, right i just um yeah i just i will be curious I, I especially would like to ask you know any coaches that we have on over you know the you know we, we've talked to scott and to to Biba about it but coaches that you're know, kind of their feeling and I, and it may even take like a new generation of coaches who are more open to because i think that's what has taken in some of the other sports you know just coaches oh, yeah. who are more open yeah. and willing to to accept uh, yeah. analytics and kind of and and see what they think and, and how that might oh, for sure yeah change things going forward but yeah it's uh, like i said i mean in the end it's just i just find a lot of uh, fun to do and and uh, makes me appreciate the, the sport and and understand the sport better but um yeah i just if if i could have a discussion with people about it and uh, mm-hmm. and you know like i said get our perspectives and and grow it into uh something that that is providing useful then that'd be great so i have opened the uh the link that you had sent me um i don't remember if this was last night or this morning, I think it was this morning, um, uh, and I had the the dashboard one open. Okay. Um, was there anything that you found particularly just eye opening? Because I have a, I just I'm looking at this, and there, I can't believe the number of. Uh, I don't. This is going to sound pejorative, but slower individuals <laughs> who are able to win just with perfect shooting. Yeah, and I mean. Um, I'm sure one of the items that could be discussed forever is what statistics do you use, right? Like, right, yeah. like I said, right now, I just do a uh, number of misses and a rank in ski speed. Yeah. But of course, when you use a rank, it doesn't say anything about if the skiers are one yeah. second or a yeah. one minute um, sep- uh, separated. So it's in, in that perspective, I think I, I can still do a lot of improvements with uh, maybe I should be using range time instead of misses, and maybe I should use actual seconds behind rather than ranks. But uh, like I said, this is a sort of a version one that I definitely intend on improving. And uh, I think one of those improvements will definitely be looking at what statistics would be better to use or, or data points. So mm-hmm. um, I, I must admit, like I've been so busy building it that I haven't really sat down and actually look at the results yeah. And, yeah. and see what stood out. But yeah, there's definitely um, some things I've seen where, you know, with one miss and rank 10, 
you can have a higher win percentage than um, yes. you know yeah. zero misses and 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 rank four, for example. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I try to because you have to remember too that some combinations of those statistics maybe only occur once, or sorry, mm -hmm. like maybe three times. Yeah. And yeah. if one of those happens to win, then you have a thirty percent chance of winning. Where <laughs> yeah. other other ones may occur a thousand times. Much more. Yeah. Much right. More so, and I, and I've actually worked on a chart to to sort of show that too the the relationship between on the one hand the winning expectation and on the other hand the uh, the number of times that it actually happened. So, yeah, I'm still exploring quite a bit and um, and thinking about what what are good ways to represent the data and and make it clear to people looking at it. And another thing is that I've started grouping the the ski speed ranking. Mm -hmm. So yes, rather than saying that. one, two, yeah. three, four, it's you know you, you yeah. group them by groups of five, so it it uh, generalizes a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, there is still a lot of lot of room for improvement, and uh, like I said, hopefully now I can present it in a way that's that it's clear to people what I'm trying to trying to do, and then uh, that will generate it hopefully a discussion that uh, will improve it over, over time. So one of, yeah, absolutely. But one of the things I thought was really interesting was. You, I mean, we, uh, it makes sense, right? If you shoot clean in a pursuit race, you're going to make up a lot of ground. Like we, we know that, but just seeing it in this particular style is kind of neat. How many, I mean, just versus mass starts, you know, you, you, <laughs> you can be a lot slower than I thought in a, in a pursuit mm -hmm. and, and, and make up ground. And this isn't exactly what that's saying, but there just are a whole lot more winners from further back than there are right. for, for mass starts. Although, yeah, like I said, keep in mind that it's I know, yeah, it might have a higher percentage, like seven times, but not yeah. necessarily, yeah, not necessarily yeah. more winners. So, yeah. Oh um, no, no, that's not what yeah. I, I yeah. what I was taking from it is that they existed at all. Right. Yeah, and that's you know, a fair that, point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that somebody won from you know the the twenty fifth you know ski speed uh, right. or ski rank uh, you know whereas they just wasn't possible on a mass start. Yeah, and and. That, that's but yeah i don't want to go on about it too long but uh that's definitely where i think the rank may not be yeah i know exactly what you mean the step but uh yeah under development yep so if anybody is interested after hearing this um so we're recording this on wednesday probably coming out tomorrow i'm hoping to have the article done by tomorrow or friday and uh, hopefully then I can publish that and have the uh, Tableau dashboard available as well for people to play around with. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'll definitely mention it on Twitter when it's all ready. So uh, keep an eye out on Twitter as well, and then you won't miss it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And in the meantime, I'll just keep playing with, uh, with the link that you sent me. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to move on to uh, a general topic? Yes, yes. This is the this is the burning topic I think for uh, <laughs> for right now. Yodley. The general topic. Yeah, how to get through the spring and summer, and <laughs> you're in Calgary and spring and winter and spring, winter, <laughs> winter and spring and winter. Uh, yeah. So no, it just uh, we never really talked about. Uh, this much about um, you know what what are the things you you follow during summertime to kind of get through the the lull in biathlon. 
Yeah. So what are you what are you doing? Um, well, surprisingly, I'm I'm not doing. I don't watch or or really look into the summer biathlon that much. Like if if I know it's on and I can mm -hmm. find a stream somewhere, I'll watch it. But it's still not the the real thing for me. And mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I uh, I mean I do biathlon in the summer uh, with my with my training group, um, mm -hmm. and we just started the summer uh, summer plan. Like they shoveled all the snow off and in Camor and uh, we're, we're back uh, to practicing just on, on runners and sometimes uh, roller skates. But other than that, I, I do like to follow soccer. Um, the, this kind of the end of the season for a lot of soccer competitions and mm -hmm. uh, champions league and that kind of thing. Um, I do follow somewhat the formula one circuit. Um, mm. Although I, I have mixed feeling about the whole, the the money that goes around in that i, I mm -hmm. i'm a little uh conflicted about that and the the nations where they have races and that kind of thing but uh yeah. it's yeah. like uh the united states well I'm, you know I know, I, was, I know i know what you mean i'm yeah. when i was reading about how they how they build a, a fake harbor or something yeah. in the uh, grand prix of, of uh, miami to to sort of yeah. make it look like monaco and Yep. spent what 40 million dollars on it or i don't know these crazy i mean in the end they're making money about it or with it otherwise it wouldn't do it but uh yeah it's uh there's something not quite right with that i think but anyway um i do like that and probably helps that there's a, a dutch guy uh doing quite well in the formula one um i follow road cycling just a little bit probably also because you know there's some races in belgium and, and mm -hmm. uh, there's uh, another dutch guy and, and one or two dutch teams that are reasonably successful so that always makes it a little uh more I, I interesting to modest, watch they're, they're more than reasonably successful yeah and it's you know i still read the dutch news regularly yeah. so th those kind of results are always like front page right when uh, yeah. when yep. one of the racers wins or something like that so yeah, that's that's kind of what I follow, and then here in Canada, like I said, hockey playoffs have just started, so I follow that, you know, very regularly, and um, kind of keep an eye on NBA, which are they're also in the in the playoffs mm -hmm. right now, and that's kind of it. Do you have a uh, a soccer team? You mentioned soccer back at the the start of that. Mm not really like there's i mean i have a, a favorite team from holland and and uh i have a positive sentiment about barcelona uh but more from the years like it's always it's interesting right because it's not uncommon that people follow teams that are doing really well because mm -hmm. a successful team is way more uh fun to follow but at the same time for me it's more important that that a team plays a certain style like for example, in hockey, I like Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, they also won the Stanley Cup two years in a row. But I, I really like their style of play. Like it's very focused on technic, technical mm -hmm. skills and and uh, and just a lot of switching of the players. Like that's the kind of uh, style I like. So when I see that in soccer, it can be a team that I don't really know much mm -hmm. about. But it's just when the style is what I like, then I, I can definitely get into that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm more into seeing a good game 
Mm -hmm. Like it could be two teams that I don't really know very well, but if it's like a tight game and it's like two, one, three, two, you know, mm -hmm. kind of switches back and forth. Um, that's a lot more fun than seeing say Barcelona play Real Madrid. And it's a one, nothing with the, you know, kind of a lucky yeah. free kick in the 89th minute. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't so, know. So, so that's kind of how I, how I watch it. But when the, when the world cup comes around, uh, do you, have to choose between Canada and Netherlands, or do you allow yourself to cheer for both? I'll definitely cheer for both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't mean to sound harsh, but I think there is a lot more likelihood that I'll be cheering for Holland in the second round and, and not able to do that for Canada and have to do the first round. But yeah, um, you never know. Um, yeah, there, I mean, and there's also, there's other countries that, like I said, if I, if I see a team play good football or so soccer, um, I'll, I'll cheer for them. Like I'm not, if Holland does well and, and they've made the final three times in the past. So, you know, if they can make it to the final, which I don't think they will, but, uh, I'll, I'll definitely cheer for them and I, I'll get more excited as the, the, the tournament progresses, but. I'm not losing any sleep over it. Yeah, I, I hear you. How about you? It, Is there certain sports you follow? Or yeah, so uh, uh, again, like you, um, you know, I will watch the uh, the summer biathlon if it's if it's on and I have nothing else going on. I you know I'll I'll find it, but it's, I'm not seeking it out. I'm not clearing out time in my my week to make sure I catch it. You know, um, I, I will. You know, I'll read about it and and kind of see how people do, but. Um, that's that's usually what what goes on but for the off season i actually get really into tennis uh of all okay. things yeah i i'm a terrible tennis player myself but um i you know i'm a i just i really enjoy watching it i've, I've enjoyed watching it for since i was little um and uh the last uh few years before covid we made it up to new york for the u.s open um which nice. is in yeah late late august early september and that's just a really fun time so um, yeah, this is a, it's a hot time for it. We got a, a couple of big tournaments back to back mm -hmm. here and then the French open coming up in a couple of weeks and then Wimbledon. So it's, uh, I it's, should really uh, get back into tennis. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a fun sport to watch. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a good workout. Um, you also, know who killed it for me? Who's that? Monica Salas. Oh, <laughs> cause I that? watched at least the big tournaments every year. Yeah. And then I, I don't know if you remember, but she was one of the first people that, um, was really loud with every shot she regular. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it just drove me absolutely crazy. And because she was really good, you know, you'd see a lot of her. So it mm -hmm. just got to the point where I got so annoyed with it that I that I just kind of gave up. And um I think that was also in the time that uh Andre Agassi, who I really, really liked because he was just a very different player and, and mm -hmm. different strategy, how he played tennis. Mm -hmm. yep. Um and he's sort of I think he was sort of getting um, a little weird. No, he. It just there was another couple of players that played more like him, and then there was sort of the uh, the the rise of the people that win half their points by either aces or yeah, uh, yeah. Um, getting a return that was so easy to hit. Like it, it's sort of like I'm almost a fan more of doubles now mm -hmm. because the rallies yeah. are a lot longer. Yes, I oh, find yeah. especially in the yeah. singles men, it just uh, and and, and um, to be very clear, I haven't watched tennis for quite a while, so I'm sure it's completely changed by now. But 
No, no. They're uh, still it was this time where it was just that, a yeah. lot of big serves. Yeah. You know, ace. Yeah. Uh, I, the guy I've always been drawn to was uh, Nadal, and who was very oh, okay. antithesis of that, just sort of mm. a. He was more of a. That's a, the Spanish base, guy, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Baseline, baseline rally guy. So, uh, yeah, he's he's always been my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I get really into tennis. I'll watch golf. Um, uh, you know, if, if one of the big tournaments is on. Um, okay. I will yeah. watch the. I'll watch the tour. Uh, the Tour de France. That is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was over there. We were over there uh, just at the finish of the tour a couple of years. Uh, this was what twenty seventeen ish. Um, and, uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I knew it was a big deal, right. Cause I, I watched, I, I, you know, started watching it when I ran cross country in high school. Um, mm, right. And, uh, so we would go away to summer camp and what we, they would show the replays of the tour at night, you know, and that's what, that's what we would watch. And, um, so that's why I guess I've been watching it now for longer than I'd like to admit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I knew it was a big deal, right? And and I've been watching it since then. But being over in France at the at the close of it, I didn't realize it was quite such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But uh, we, and that was not intentional, by the way. We just happened to be there at the same time. But cool. Yeah, that's um, such a big thing, especially there, right? It's just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's you know what? <laughs> what would make me think of? Because uh, you know, Vanderpool is uh, is pretty strong right yes. now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting to the age, well, no, I am of that age where I more and more see stars either in hockey or in cycling, where I realized that I was cheering on their dad when I was younger. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really, it's very confrontational, you know, where where you're like, yeah, I saw his dad when he was, you know, pretty darn good. And it just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. So it's I'm, fun, but I'm obviously I'm I'm a little bit younger than you, but all the guys that are like the guys that I've been cheering for are all sort of reaching towards the ends of their career. So like your Nadal mm. is is he he and I are the same age, right? And where he's coming towards the last couple of years of his career, and it's it's very strange for me to be like, oh my god, my my guys are getting old. <laughs> like we're we're I know we're, you know like all the people who are like the up and comers. I'm like, man, you guys are <laughs> you were born when <laughs> that, that can't be true. I know. I yeah. It's just very strange when that happens. Oh. Yeah. And then I always, you know, every time I look up something about Bjorndon and I see his age and I'm like, man, he's, because he, he's pretty much my age. He's yeah. just a little bit younger than me. And I can't, I still can't believe that he was competing up to a couple of seasons ago. He, I'm not going to say he like breaks my brain, but it sort of totally warps my, perception so when i see some of these guys people retire like we talked about bormalini retiring earlier and i'm like what are you doing man I'm like <laughs> you, you your best year yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, i don't know i don't know how he did it it just yeah it just boggles the mind yeah other than that i well obviously the family keeps me busy and the, the kids and uh i like to read in the summer to pass through the time i'm a big fan of uh I don't know if you've ever heard of the Discworld series from Terry Pratchett. I have actually. It's, uh, I, I just like the quirky humor. Like uh, I think somewhere it's described as a mix between uh, the Hobbit <laughs> yeah. from Tolkien and the, like the adventurous part. And then with the humor of Monty Python, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> I've always loved Monty Python. And, and yeah, yes. it's, 
so I read all the, I think there's about 40 books. I, I'm not sure if I read every single book, but when I was in Holland, I had a Dutch translations version of it. And I actually just started, oh, when was it? Early this year, I, I, uh, I went through one of those little libraries that people put in their yards. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I found uh, The Color of Magic, the first novel in the Discworld series, and I read it again in English. And I liked it so much that uh, you started going through nosing around in those little libraries and, and used bookstores and getting all back into it. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like to read a lot as well. I'm sort of in a dry patch here. I was reading a series of books by James Rollins, and um, uh, they the last one just came out, and he will keep writing them, of course. But I'm all caught up, and now I, I'm sort of in this space of I got to find someone else to read because I've been <laughs> you know reading these for basically since my son was born. So it was like almost a year oh, and a wow. half now. Wow. So it's, uh, it's kind of kept me <laughs> filled up some of that, that free time. So kind of got to figure out what's going to be next. Well, maybe you, uh, you can start reading Terry Pratchett as well. And... Well, if they're 40 books, I think it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll fill, up, fill up my time. Have you seen, do you watch movies much? Do you, are you, any movies, TV shows? Not much, no. I we uh, we have these uh, spin bike setups, so we we try to exercise every night, but uh, that doesn't really work. But um, we do probably four or five five times uh, a week, and then we just watch a show. Mm -hmm. we typically, end up watching like uh, BBC shows mm -hmm. that are available yeah. on Prime or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but, we haven't. Yeah, I, we haven't seen any the last movie i saw in the theaters was um the new james bond movie that came out what like last october so it's uh <laughs> how was that it was good i enjoyed it yeah and uh i was like, the last tv show i watched was i couldn't even tell you no i'm, I'm pretty boring kidding. i'm pretty I, you know as far as i don't <laughs> think anybody should take their uh their their pop culture uh recommendations from me i don't think i'm the right guy no, I'm probably not not up there either. Yeah, but, one of the uh, things that happens when you have kids, at least for me, was like suddenly everything just stopped. I just I lost. I wasn't I wasn't exactly you know into all the new things anyway. But especially when when Ben came, it sort of yeah, you know, something stopped. Some some other things come in its place. <laughs> they, they certainly do. Yeah, yeah. So, you and I were talking about this a little bit offline, but um, Ben's been having his his first swimming lessons, and um, you know he's 16 months old, so. Uh, I was joking that they're sort of like the the don't drown lessons, but this I mean that's really what they are teaching him how to float and how to get himself to the mm -hmm. the edge of the pool and reducing um, the fear of water, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, living here, I mean, everybody's got a pool, so it's just it, and there's water everywhere, so it's just sort of an important mm -hmm. thing. It's an important yeah. thing for all kids, but yes, yeah, so that that's honestly that's been taking up a lot of our time recently. Yeah, it's fun, man. Enjoy it because soon do he'll he won't need you anymore. I know, I know. And just the, the, it's fun because he, when, one of the things we're doing is just teaching him how to float on his back, really. And, and, uh, you know, it's just fun just kind of like hanging out with him while he's just floating there, and just enjoying things. And then, of course, teaching him how to hold his breath when he goes under. And he really does not like that too much. So <laughs> save that, save that to the end. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he gets pretty upset with me at that point. <laughs> uh, we'll get over it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just in the, the learning phase. Actually, funny now that you mentioned that, I remember that that uh, I learned when I was uh, in the pool with my youngest. 
I learned that I do not know how to float in water. Like I will not float. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't float either. I sink. <laughs> I, I go straight. Yeah, I, my feet go down, and then I just even if I yeah. try to in, inhale as much you know, <laughs> air as possible, like I can't keep myself up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, shall we uh, call it a day for the pot? Yeah, if anybody's still listening to us, uh, I appreciate you listening to my my ramblings here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great example of, uh, of of what the biathlon looks like in the summer. Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's a <laughs> very, very good representation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, nobody, of course, can see this, but uh, <laughs> through the course of this pod, we've had three different uh, recordings um, just because of, of different things and each time. RJ has changed the name on his <laughs> on, uh, on here. So we've had uh, you've heard this today from from Bjorn Dahlen, you've heard from Taribo, and you've heard from <laughs> Johannes. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. I wish I had a bit more of their humor. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. All right, Anything that makes you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much. I'm, all Get right, me thanks to 11, 11 o'clock at night, and then it's, uh, everything's pretty entertaining. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, Absolutely. like we said, next week we should have a uh, – hopefully uh, we'll have the interview with uh, Egil Gelland, and, uh, yes. and hopefully we'll be back the week after as well. Absolutely. All right, guys. Take care, man. You too. Bye. Bye.